Well, good morning. Thank you all for being here today. Um, We are continuing in the series we started last week. So the series we started last week is called Beyond Sunday. And and what this is and what, what we're the premise of this series is, is taking our faith outside of the walls of the church. We're really good at showing our faith inside the church. We're really good about expressing our faith and sharing our faith within our Bible studies and within our own personal area. But what does it look like when we expand outside of the walls? And how we live our life really truly matters. The words we use, the grace that we show, the gratitude that we carry in our own lives, showing our faith through the works that we do and and peace that we show, and the relationships that we have around us. These things are very, very important. And so as we continue on through this this series, this is a verse that I'm going to come to every week. And and it tells us in Romans 12, 2, and if you don't have your Bibles with you, it's not a problem. It'll be on the screen This isn't going to be where we stay today, but this is what we're basing everything off of. Romans 12, 2, it tells us this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that happens through the work of God. That happens through us following him, us placing our faith in him, spending time with him. That's where the renewal of our mind comes. We're to be set apart. We're to be different in nature. We're to be different in how we treat people, how we interact with people. We are to be set apart. And so again, as we dive into this series, we're also going to come back to the same question. And like I told y'all last week, this is a question that I heard a a pastor a few months back say as I was preparing for this series. And he said this, if Christianity were to become illegal today, would there be enough evidence against you to convict, to be convicted? Excuse me. Would there be enough evidence in your life, not just the words you say or the fact that you show up to church, but is there enough actual evidence in your life for you to be convicted? And so as we look at last week, and as what we talked about last week, we talked about our words, how we use our words, um, the, the way that we use them, what we say, the fact that our words carry so much weight. Our, our words can build people up, it can tear people down. It was compared to, to a mighty fire, to the rudder of a ship that controls everything. Our words are important. And today I want us to move on to to another aspect of our lives that that we might not consider enough. And that's showing grace. So as I look over my life, as I I prepare for this message, and as I come into this message today, I think about all the times that grace has been a part of my life. I think back to about a year and a half ago, I started in a new office, um, working within um, the finance office within my organization, and... um, I needed lots of grace. I, I know numbers, I understand numbers, but the job and the process within the job is, is a lot. And there was lots of mistakes. And there, over and over again, there, there was little mistakes here and little mistakes there. And the lady that was training me, of course, she was, she was very gracious and she would help me through the processes. But as she then transitioned out, I, I was left on my own. 
And the great thing that I learned very quickly was that my boss was going to continue to show me grace. A mistake would be made. Here's the grace. I would, I would mess up over here. There was grace. And at some point, if the, the issue became repetitive, there was still grace, plus a little extra. But there was always grace. Mistakes happen. Mistakes are understandable. How we recover from those mistakes matters just as much. And so I, I learned lots of grace from this boss. I, and I still, to this day, I'm learning so much grace. Every time we have a conversation, every mistake that's made, or every issue that comes up, it, it's just we're looking for solutions. But there's grace. I, I look at, at the way that I show grace, the, the, way, that, the way that I'm able to show grace. I, I think, too, my kids are getting into sports now. Uh, my son played football last year. He played softball this year. My daughter's doing volleyball now. And they had never done athletics before. They're, they're active. They're, they love to play, but they had never done sports before. So lots of grace had to be shown. Lots of grace in how to, how to catch a ball, how to throw a ball, how to hit the ball. I, volleyball, I know nothing about volleyball. But we're learning together. And there has to be grace there. Because if there's no grace, then they're going to get discouraged. They're going to get pushed away from sports, and they're not going to return. And, and as, much as, as much as I would love to watch my kids play sports, I'm not going to ruin that for them by not showing grace in these moments. So when, we, when I look at my kids and I see them struggling with sports, I just know I, I have to continue to show grace. Mistakes happen. It's okay. Mistakes happen. But I also look at where I fell to show grace. And there's lots of areas that I fell to show grace. When I'm angry, of course, when we're, when we're angry, it's, it's hard to show grace to those or honor to those that have hurt us. Uh, I've shared this with our young adult Bible study before, but th- there are certain aspects that I have a harder time showing grace for. There, there are harder, harder things that I struggle to, to show forgiveness for. For me, I, I am a, a child of a marriage that, that had infidelity. And because of that, I struggle. I struggle with that. When we hear these stories, we, we hear these situations going on around us, I struggle to show grace in those moments. And that shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be the case because, first of all, it's none of my business. It's none of my business what's going on in other people's lives around us. But more importantly, that's not what I'm called to do. So as we dive in today, I want you all to take a look at a story with me and and a parable that, that Jesus taught in Matthew 18. So if you have your scriptures with you, please open up to Matthew 18. We're going to dive into this together. But I want us to take a look at this because it's very important how Jesus explains forgiveness. How how Jesus explains giving grace in these moments. So again, Matthew 18, we're going to start in verse 21. Uh, If you don't have your scriptures with you, they'll be here on the screen. It starts by saying this, And then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, 
I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. We're going to go farther beyond that. We're going to go way beyond what you think you should do. I'm going to push you to, to show more forgiveness, to show more grace. You're offering this much. I want you to offer this much. And of course, as, as we know of Peter, Peter's kind of a hothead. And so we can look at that, and he probably wasn't thrilled about this answer. But Jesus continues on. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And he said he could not pay. His master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave his debts. This huge debt that he carried. The master, of course, it is his right to collect this debt that's been given. The master could have sold him, just like it said he could have sold him. It could have put him to death. He could have done whatever he wanted to do because of this debt. Because this debt was owed to him. You, you, have, you have taken this money. You have done these things. Pay your debts. But the master of the servant released him and forgave him. So we could look at that story and go, that's awesome. That could be a parable in itself. The Lord continues to forgive us. The Lord continues to show grace on us. The Lord continues every day, every time, always. Praise God. And we could stop there and we can move on and we could feel really good about the whole story. But that's not where it stops. He continues on verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. This sounds familiar, right? Have pity on me, have patience with me. Please do not do this. Have patience with me, I will pay you. Verse 30, And he refused, and he put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. The master summoned him and said, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in the anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all of his debts. This is the way that we treat God. This is the way that we treat others around us. Because we continue to receive grace. We continue to receive forgiveness. We can continue to receive from God what we are not owed. I don't know if you know this, but we are not owed the grace that God continues to show us. We have not earned it. We don't deserve it. We do not, we are not owed this grace. But then we turn right around and show zero grace for those around us. 
We show zero forgiveness. We show zero give in any situation. And he continues, the last verse, he tags on this last bit. And he says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This verse should terrify us. This verse, we should look at this verse and go, oh man, what am I doing with my life? My father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We carry around this anger and we carry around this this hate and frustration for those around us. But we forget what God has continued to show us. I'm a knucklehead. Plain and simple. I continue to make mistakes. I continue to have issues. I continue to, to not do what I'm called to do. But every time I come to the Lord, He's there. Every time I need the Lord, he is there for me. He is there with me. And he is there to show me grace. It's not a get out of jail free card or or this, you know, I can do whatever I want because he's there and he's got me. It's a promise made when he sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. It is a promise that he made to us. That we do not have to earn his grace. We do not have to earn our salvation. We don't have to earn any of this. This is free of charge, given freely because of him. So also my father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Guys, we have to show more grace. There has to be grace in our everyday lives. As we step out into the world, as we step out into to what this, this frustrating culture can be for us, we don't shy away from truth. We don't shy away from, from what is right. But we also don't shy away from the grace that God has shown us. Because if we're going to follow Jesus, which is what we're all here for, we're all here to follow Jesus. And if we're going to do so and do so correctly... We have to show grace in our everyday lives. Again, it's easy for us to do it here in the, in the church building. It's easy for us to do it inside the church family and, and somebody upsets us and we, we talk it out and we figure it out and all is well. But if that coworker or, or that person in that other department or, or that person that cut me off or, or whoever it is, there's zero grace. Guys, we have to show grace in everything that we do. So from what we know about grace from this parable, and of course Jesus lays all of this out, and the guys are probably just spinning. First of all, I have to forgive how much, and why am I showing grace, and this is crazy. So from all that we know from this story, there's a few things that we can pull. There's a few things that we need to understand as we step into the world, into our everyday lives. The first one being this. We must understand grace towards others. It is vital that we know and understand that we are to show grace towards others. Because it's easy for us to expect it for ourselves. It's easy for us to go, you know, I've made a mistake, but God's got me. 
But we also need to be the ones that are going to extend it to others when they need it. This brings up another story of Jesus. And, and, and as we understand showing grace, and as we understand showing mercy, John chapter 8, we, we find Jesus being brought this woman who was caught in adultery. And for me, this is such a story that, that just kills me. Because like I said earlier, this is what I struggled with. If I'm in this story, I'm one of the ones holding stones. If I'm in this story, I'm one of the ones that's screaming and yelling and going, let's do this. But we see this woman is brought to Jesus. And and so it tells us that they they brought him in. they, They said, she's been caught in adultery. What are we to do? This is all of the charges against her teacher. This is what the law says. And of course, we all know what he, how he responds. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. Let, let, let you who is perfect, let, let you who has carried your life with such perfection, throw the first stone. And then my favorite part, he bends down and starts writing in the sand again. Starts writing in the sand. We have no idea what he wrote. That's going to be one of my first questions. What was Jesus writing in the sand? Because he was so just past this moment. He was like, you know, if you're going to hold this woman accountable, hold yourselves accountable. He bent down and starts writing in the ground. And of course, they all, they all just dissipate and go away. And nobody cast a stone. And then the grace comes in. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she said. And the one man that has walked this earth, who had the authority to condemn her, said, neither do I. Guys, if we want to understand how we are to act in our everyday lives, we look to Jesus. And here it is. Here's the example. Here is where we find our example of how to act. We get angry. We get mad. How do I, Lord, how can I respond in this moment? WWJD. We, we, I don't know if y'all used to wear the wristbands. That was like right at the edge of my time. What would Jesus do in this moment? And he tells us right here, John chapter 8, neither do I condemn you, go. Here comes the truth. From now on, sin no more. There's grace and there's truth. The grace is there to not condemn, but the truth is, you need to fix it. If we're going to step out into the world and, and offer the world Jesus... We must understand grace towards others. We have to understand what that means and what that means in our everyday lives. The next thing we must understand is grace when we don't want to. Grace when we don't feel like giving grace. Because there's lots of times in our lives where we just don't feel like it. It's hard. It's difficult. We, we deal with these situations and we come into these situations and it's hard for us to show grace. We've been hurt. 
if you hurt my family, it's really hard for me to show grace and for me to show forgiveness. But even then, that's what we are called to do. We must understand grace when we don't want to. 2 Timothy 1, we find this statement that Paul writes to Timothy. Verse 8 and 9, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works or because of his own purpose, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he has gave us in Jesus Christ before the ages began. If we're going to step out unashamed of the gospel, if we're going to step out unashamed of who we are living our lives for, we have to understand that we are called to do so, but it's not because of us. It's because of the grace that he has shown us. It's not because anything that we have earned or anything that we have deserved, but because of his grace. So when we look at showing others grace and we, and we know we just really don't want to do this, we have to realize that it's not because of what they've, des- what they've done or what they've deserved, but because it's what we are called to do because of the grace he's shown us. We have to understand grace even when we don't want to. Which leads us to our last point. We must understand grace given to us. Guys, every day, every day that we wake up, the Lord is continuously putting grace on us. Constantly. Every time we, every time we go against one of these Every time we, we use our words incorrectly or every time that we don't show grace when we're supposed to, every time we're rude or hateful or we have a snap moment and, and whatever it is, God continues to show us grace, not but because we deserved it, but because of that, that's who he is. If we are going to live a life like Jesus, we have to understand the grace that he has given to us. I don't deserve the the hundredth, thousandth chance that God's given me. When I stepped away from ministry the first time and I ran away from my calling, I didn't earn the privilege to come back. But because of God's purpose and his grace, I was able to come back. Because of the grace that has been given to us. Why is it that we can receive grace thousands of times but have such a hard time offering it to others? When we know and understand what Scripture has said about God loving us and forgiving us and providing grace and everything, why is it that we know this but still don't offer it? So as we wrap up today and as we go into our everyday worlds, I, wanna, I want you to think about these three questions. There's three things I want us to focus on this week. The first one being this. Where have I missed the mark in offering grace? Within my job, I've explained this, that, that I have been offered grace time and time again, and it comes over and over again. And no matter what, my boss has offered grace. But if I receive stuff from departments that's incorrect, I get frustrated. Why can't they just do it right? Why can't I just do it right? 
where have we missed those marks? Where have we had an opportunity in our everyday lives to offer grace and chose not to? This is going to take some self-reflecting, some, some looking into ourselves. The next one. Who in our lives now is owed more grace? Because there's somebody, and again, I, I mentioned if, if it's that coworker or that person at work or the person you run into at the store or that family member, there's somebody that, that as soon as I said that, you go, yeah, it's, it's, it's them. Who in our lives is owed more grace? And lastly, how can I show more grace in my everyday life? It's a simple question. How can I, when I step out into the world, when I step out into the grocery store or into my job, into my home, where are the aspects and where are the situations in life where I can show more grace? Where is it that that when I step into this place, I instantly get defensive? Where is it that I, when I step in, I instantly get upset? Where can I show more grace in my everyday life? Because again, the Christian walk is, is very countercultural. It's challenging. A, a true Christian walk will, will stand against culture. Because that's what we're called to do. We're not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that starts with looking at our words. It starts with looking at the grace that we show others.